Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Community, and this is a message I gave on Sunday morning, August 15th, 2021, from the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 25. In Matthew 25, Jesus is telling these parables about the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, and starting in verse 14, Again, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, another two bags, and another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not, scattered, or where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I, went and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And if you listen closely, you can hear like a thud of the money just hitting the... I imagine that's in there anyway. Um, <laughs> this is a tough one, right? I mean, the, right after this, Jesus looks the, in the story, the, the master looks at this guy and says, Oh, so you knew that I was a hard man, uh, harvesting where I didn't plant gathering where I didn't scatter any seed. So that's what you think of me. Well, you could have at least taken it to the bank and I could have gotten some interest. We could have had something to do with this thing. We've been talking over the past few weeks about the real Jesus. Who is the real Jesus? Like if I wanna see what Jesus is really like, I don't, need, I don't need the TV to tell me what Jesus is like or what he's excited about or into. I don't need a social media feed to tell me any of that stuff. I want the real Jesus. What is he really like? What does he really care about? What does he really think about me? If you were to ask this dude, what is Jesus really like? He's apparently got a truckload of stuff to say about Jesus. I'll tell you what Jesus is like. He's a hard man. It's a word that means rough or harsh. It's the same word that's used of those, those winds that were against the boat, the disciples' boat when they were in the middle of that storm. It's like, it's a harsh, a harsh man. That's what Jesus is like. He said, he, he harvests where he didn't even plant. Like he eats where he didn't work. It's like, he takes somebody else's test paper and he erases their name and puts his name on it and turns it in and gets the A. That's what Jesus is like. He's like one of those people that like got famous for lip syncing when somebody else's voice was doing the singing. That's what Jesus is like. He like copies people's answers. He, he gets the credit even though he didn't do the work. 
He keeps more than he gives away. He's stingy. He's hard. He's unfair. He gives some people more than he gives other people. I don't like that guy. Who is the real Jesus? I, I want us to start, if we can, in a, a place of just kind of maybe stacking hands and agreeing. It's easy to feel this way, isn't it, sometimes? Thank you. We got to be honest up in church now, y'all. It's, it's easy sometimes to feel like, to have some hard feelings about Jesus, isn't it? Especially when you look at some of the, the troubles in your own life, the stuff you didn't want, the way things are rolling out, and to feel like, I don't like the way he's doing my life. I don't like the way my story's going. And it's really easy for me to look right over there and see theirs and say, why did they get that? What's up with that? Why does he give them that thing and I get this thing? I mean, we, everybody sings glory to him, but it feels like we're all doing the work. Is that what he's like? I think it's, it can be really easy, and we've got to start at a place of, of upfrontness with this, that it could be really easy to feel feelings of resentment for Jesus. That I don't like the way my life's going, and I don't like what he's doing with it, and I don't like how hard I've worked, and then everybody's singing to him about this whole thing. I don't like all my unanswered prayers. Amen? Amen. This, is, this is an easy thing to feel. And at the exact same time that we admit that this is an easy thing to feel, we also have to look at the fact that the way it feels is not always the way it is, right? The way it feels is not always the way it is. So I think what we need to do is hold in balance two things. One, sometimes I've got hard feelings for Jesus. Or it's pretty easy to get to that place sometimes. And at the exact same time, I need to figure out, is he this guy? Is he a hard man? Is he rough? Is he harsh? Does he, does he copy answers? Is he taking credit for somebody else's work? Does he keep more than he gives? Is he super duper unfair? Is that who he is? So if you would, go with me on a little journey through the Gospels as we look at some Jesus stories for a minute. I was thinking about this question and just thought, I'm just going to go through the Rolodex of some stuff I know about Jesus. There's a place in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus sends out, you guys remember this moment where Jesus sends out 72 of his, of his students to go do some ministry. And he's like, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to give you guys power and authority and abilities to do some really, really cool stuff. You're going to be able to kick evil spirits out of people. You're going to be able to heal diseases. You're going to tell people about the kingdom, and they're going to be persuaded. It's going to be awesome. So we need to start off right off the bat with saying, Jesus gave these people the ability to do things they had no ability to do, right? He's just like, you're going to get power and authority and ability. Go at it. So they go out, and then the 72 came back, and they were like, Jesus, it was awesome. To be frank, we kind of crushed it. Like, I mean, demons were getting kicked out of people. Diseases were being healed. We were telling people about the kingdom of God. They were into it. It was awesome. And Jesus doesn't say to them, with my powers. Like, he doesn't, he, that's not what he said. He actually said, hey, awesome, guys. I actually, I, whatever you thought you saw, I saw more. I saw Satan himself falling like lightning from the sky. Way to go. Like, he was fired up for him, celebrating these guys. By the way, everything they did, it was off of his dime. It was all off of his power. 
There's a place in Matthew chapter 17 where Peter runs his mouth, which is not a big surprise, and he gets Jesus in trouble with some religious leaders, and he basically puts Jesus on the hook to pay this tax that Jesus didn't owe. And so he kind of comes in, he's like, hey, how's everybody doing? And Jesus is like, hey, by the way, did you talk to some guys and get me on the hook for a tax I don't owe? And Peter was like, about that, um, yes. And Jesus is like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to go get your fishing stuff and go down to the water and cast your line in. And then the first fish you catch, there is going to be a coin inside that fish's mouth that's enough money to pay your tax and mine, which I do not owe, for the entire year. Head out. And from the moment that, and I don't know if Peter had to run home. I don't know if he kept his fishing stuff in the truck. I don't know. But like he went out and cast a line out. And in between that moment, Jesus saying that and him casting the line, somehow, and I don't know when it happened, at some point, somebody dropped a four drachma coin into this body of water. And Jesus says to this fish, go snag it. And, Jesus, and this fish goes and eats this coin. And then Jesus says to this fish's fish brain, go eat that hook. And Peter, which by the way, Peter, a professional fisherman, you realize he never catches a fish in the gospels unless Jesus specifically tells him to do it. <laughs> Casts his line, pulls this fish out of the water, and there is a four drachma coin. Is this the guy that keeps more than he gives? Come on. Look at Jesus. This is, he's like not only kind, he's like miraculously kind. There's a, a time when it's in uh, John chapter 2 when Jesus, um, no, no, let, let's look at this one for Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, Jesus feeds thousands of people with two McFish fillets. Like, just keeps breaking them off the dollar menu. You know, he just like keeps breaking them and they go for thousands of people. And not only is everybody filled to the brim, they take up leftovers. They got leftovers, 12 baskets full. And so each one of the disciples just gets to go make somebody's day in a surrounding village, or I don't know what. Here you go. This is, I mean, this is like a miraculous multiplication. Nobody can do this. And he let the disciples give the food out, and he let the disciples take the extra somewhere. Let none of it be wasted, he said. Go give it away. Go make somebody's day with this. This is not a harsh man. He shows up at a wedding in John chapter 2, where they're running out of wine, you remember, and he turns 120 gallons of the water that they use for ceremonial foot washing, I don't know, this is miraculous in itself, turns 120 gallons of this foot water into the greatest wine anyone has ever tasted. And just in case you're having a hard time visualizing how much 120 gallons is, I did the math, it's 600 bottles of wine. That's how Jesus rolls into a party. <laughs> 600. Hundred bottles of wine. If they were $50 bottles of wine, that's $30,000 on a party. And it was the best wine anyone had tasted. It wasn't a $50 bottle. 600 bottles of wine. He's like, let's go. This is now a party. That's how Jesus rolls in. This is not a harsh man. There's a place in John chapter 21 where the disciples, this is after Jesus has been raised from the dead, the disciples are fishing all night. Again, haven't caught anything. And Jesus, in the, at, the, at the kind of crack of dawn, kind of yells out, Friends, have you caught anything? And they're like, don't rub it in. <laughs> and he says, why don't you cast your net on the other side of the boat? And they're like, I've heard that before. 
They throw the net on the other side of the boat. And in that moment, Jesus uploads GPS, you know, location to the fish brains of 153 big old fish is what the gospels say. Big old fish. And he says, go, get to flapping. And they pop right into that net. It was so much that the boats are starting to sink. When they get it to shore, Jesus says to them, why don't you bring some of the fish you have just caught? Oh, that's stretching it. You have just caught? Come on. They didn't do anything. But that's the way that he treats them. Hey, I'm going to roll into this party with 600 bottles of wine. I'm going to celebrate things about your ministry that you haven't even seen. I am going to give leftovers and let you give them out to everybody. I am going to call this miracle that I have just done the fish you have just caught. And then in the greatest example ever, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You want to talk about trading test papers? He traded my F minus for his A plus. I get to copy his answers. It's not the other way around. He took all of our wrong and then just says, anybody that wants it freely, I, you can have a total forgiveness of all of your wrong for, the, for all of your past, present, and future. You can have a place in heaven forever that no one can ever take away. I will become your help for the rest of your life. And by the way, your new status, which cannot be changed for the rest of your life, is you are just as righteous as Jesus Christ. And you can just have that for free. I'll just take it and switch places with you, and you can just have it. And then even just when you think about that parable that we just read, the master himself, it's like, is he a, is he a rough man? Is he a harsh man? If he was like a rough man, I'm, I'm, imagining like, I'm imagining like rough like coaches and stuff that I've had growing up playing, you know, Little League football and stuff like that. And like if you did great, then the coach was really pleased with you. And if you did less great, then he was less pleased with you. You know, that kind of thing. So I'm imagining when the guy who took five bags of gold and turned it into five more, when he came back and the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. So I'm imagining that when Mr. I had two and I made two more, when that guy comes in, he's going to say, less well done. My okay and somewhat show upping guy servant. Like, I'm assuming that's how that's going to go. But he gives the same speech to both of them. The guy that made, that has 10, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Awesome. To the guy that has four, he says the exact same speech. Jesus is actually really easy to please. Even to the guy that made none, he's like, I kind of wish you were just taking it to the bank. What if he had taken it to the bank and said, I didn't do anything with it, but take it to the bank. I didn't know what to do. What if he had said, well done, good and faithful servant. That was a cool idea. He's actually easy to please. And by the way, what they did was they took something and they multiplied it into something else. Who's known for multiplying? Where do you think these guys got this ability to do this? Acts chapter 17 says, in him we, we live and move and have our being. Everything that I am and everything that I can do comes directly from him. That's the same with all of us, right? Everything we have and everything we do, all the work we can do, the creativity, the ideas, all of it, the execution of it, everything comes from him. He's the one who makes things multiply. Even what they did was his. He gave them credit for his work. Is he a harsh man? 
What he said to those first two guys was, come and share your master's what? Anybody remember? His happiness. It's actually a happy man. He's not a harsh man. He's a happy man. He's easy to please. He's, he's happy. He's the one giving out credit for his work. He gives away way more than he keeps. He's generous. He's gentle. He's sweet. Over and over again, just follow him through the Gospels. He's this guy. He's the kindest, the sweetest, the most amazing, just giving stuff away. And you're like, well, then why sometimes do I feel so resentful? Because sometimes what it is isn't what it feels like, right? Sometimes what it is isn't what it feels like. So what do we do with the fact that I can hold this in my hand? It is so easy sometimes to, to look at the problems and the pain and the difficulties I'm going through and resent the one that I blame for it and feel like he takes credit for everybody else's work and he's harsh and he's unfair and I don't trust him. And then to watch him through the Gospels and go, oh my gosh, he's not like that at all. He's amazing. He's giving everything away all the time. He's so sweet and generous and gentle and kind. What do I do with this thing? How do I hold in balance that what it feels like isn't always what it is? Okay, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think that in our spiritual life, in our spiritual growth, there are so many things that you have to grow through and deal with that are flat out journeys. You can't speed it up. You can't make it happen overnight. You can't flip a switch and just be done with it. Addiction is that way. Amen? You just got to go slow and you got to get tools and you got to get wisdom and you got to get reps and you got to get encouragement and a community around you. Worry is that way, right? Sadness, lowness, depression, all of those things are that way. Just flat out maturity is that way. It's going to take time. You're going to have to go through a process. There is no magic word where you flip a switch and you're done with an addiction. It doesn't work that way. You're on a journey. You're on a journey for the rest of your life. So many things, most of the things that you deal with and grow through in your spiritual life are going to be processes, journeys that go slow a little bit by little bit. Except this thing. I actually think in this thing, we get as close as we're ever going to get to a light switch flip moment. And that is gratitude. Gratitude is about the most magical thing we have. It's the closest thing to flipping a light switch that we have. If you are in the middle of a situation where you feel like, I know in my head that Jesus is awesome and sweet and kind, and all I have to do is read the Gospels to find it, but I feel in my heart like I have all this resentment and I have all this and I have all these questions and I have all these unanswered prayers. And I have I look around at people who seem to just fall backwards into this amazing life when I'm struggling through mine. And I don't know how to balance all that out. The biggest light switch we have is gratitude to look at something in your life and say thank you for it and feel that thanks that's the closest thing we have. And, and in my experience and the experience of people that I've known walking through this same deal, it's the fastest thing that will change the way that you feel today. Is anybody on that? Yes. Anybody experienced it? Yes. And I'm not talking about like, just like, okay, well, that means that the thing that I really hate about my life, I got to find some way to be happy about it. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's where you start. I'm saying like, if you eat a good sandwich today, you should start right there. 
Like you take a bite of a sandwich and you're like, that's a great sandwich. It's like, thank you. That's a good sandwich. And receive that sandwich as a gift from Jesus. I'm talking about you're driving down the road and you're listening to a playlist and a song comes on that you haven't heard in a while and you're like, oh, that's an awesome song. I love that song. Then just tell them thank you for the song. I, I'm telling you, saying thank you and meaning it is the most transformative emotional thing you can do for yourself right now. It's the fastest pathway to feeling differently, to, to bridging the gap between the way it is and the way it feels. It's the, it's the fastest way to get those two things to agree, to make the way it feels be like the way it is. I'm talking about the next time somebody says something and it makes you laugh. I mean, just laugh. We were in our community group today and we were just laughing about some stuff. A couple of people were laughing about something. I didn't even know what they were laughing about. I didn't know what started the story, but I found myself laughing. I was like, this is fun. We're laughing about something. I don't even know what it is. And like in the middle of the laugh, I'm talking about in the middle of that laugh, disengage a piece of your brain and say thank you to him because you got to laugh today because it's beautiful outside because before the deer ate him, Thomas had sunflowers. <laughs> like find something in your day. This guy that I love called F.B. Mayer, um, he said, the, the, one of the greatest things that you can do to enjoy the, the, the proximity and the presence of Jesus right now is to receive every good thing as a, like a, direct, a direct gift from him, as if he were actually giving you a present. Just, just go ahead and decide. Everything good that happens to me is just something from him, a direct present from Jesus to me. And you're like, well, I don't even know. It didn't have a, a gift card signed Jesus on it or something like that. No, no, no. Go ahead and receive all of it. Because the truth is, is that all the hard stuff, you probably naturally receive that from him. And that's where all that resentment comes from. I know I feel that way about it. And if I'm going to turn this ship around, I'm going to start there. And y'all, for me, it's real simple stuff. Like I got dry, clean clothes on and I got a, a warm mug of coffee and nobody's bothering me. It's like that. I mean, I just say, thank you, Jesus. I'm talking about little stuff. I'm talking about you put your shoes on and you like them and you're like, I like the way my shoes look. Like, thank you, Jesus. Receive them as a gift from Jesus. Every little thing, I'm telling you, intentional gratitude is the fastest way to bridge the gap between the way it feels and the way it is. To put those two things on the same page. Because he's a happy man. And he's so easy to please. And he gives away so much more than he keeps. And if he's unfair, he's been unfair to himself. He's given us his whole self. I think this week, we should start today and just start thanking him for everything you enjoy, everything that gives you delight, everything that makes you happy. Just receive it as a gift from him. Um, I started doing this thing recently where the very first thing I do in my day is I have a little book where I write down prayers and thoughts and verses and stuff like that. And the very first thing I do in, in my book is I just write down my favorite moments from yesterday, just my favorite moments. I'm ashamed to say how many of those have been um, moments where Jack and I won a game in Fortnite. <laughs> we always fist bump when we get a dub. And that fist bump is like, sometimes it's like the first thing on the page, like the dubs. And Jesus knows, like, we got one. And what's funny is like, 
I'm 42, it's fine. <laughs> What's funny is that like, I started doing that just because it was, it, was during, it was during the COVID year and I just had a bad attitude about everything all the time. And I was like, I gotta do something to rescue this attitude. So I'm gonna start there. I'm just gonna remember like, the moments from yesterday that I thought were really lovely and fun. And I started, I started thinking about them as pearls, like just little pearls, little moments. And I just, I want a string of pearls. Like, don't worry about it. But like, I was just thinking like, I just, I just want a string of pearls. And then this cool thing started happening where I started recognizing them in today. I started, like, something would happen, and I would go, oh, I'm going to write that one down tomorrow. Like, I started recognizing them in today, not just having to remember them from yesterday. And then I realized a couple days after that, I'm enjoying my life. And that was like, whoa, I'm enjoying my life. Like, I'm enjoying my life as it's happening. It's a really cool thing. I'm not saying you got to do it that way, but let's come up with some, with some systems. Let's come up with some intentional gratitude, and we're going to bridge that gap between the way it feels and the way it is. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for who you are, that you're the one that gives away so much more than you keep, that you give us all the credit for all of your miraculous work, that you are happy, and that you want us to share in that happiness. I'm asking that you would give us some great ideas this week for how to have some intentional gratitude. I'm gonna think about my buddy Thomas who sets two alarms on his phone every day to stop and have intentional gratitude. And I pray that if anybody else in this room this week comes up with a cool idea that they'll text me and tell me so I can try it out. Because I want to, I want to bring that in under control. I want to bridge that gap between the way it is and the way it feels. And I want to thank you for who you are. We love you and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you. Let's sing this out. Here we go. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the way you love me. The way you give me more than I deserve, than I could earn, than I could ever hope to find. And I was lost and broken, empty, hopeless, wretched, poor, and Jesus, that is why I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the way you saved me. You made me secure when I was living this life for myself. Going my own way, it was only darkness every step. Falling every day. So gently got me to That is why I say I want to thank you I want to thank you For the way you love me The way you love me Change me. I'm different than before. You came into my life and gave me power that I never knew. For the first time, I can please your heart and really walk with you. Seems too wonderful, too good to be. But I know it's true. I wanna thank you. I wanna thank. 
you love.